0: you welcome to our evening gospel service. We're going to turn to the hymn number 418. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. As we're opening hymn, let's stand together while we sing. In our hearts in prayer, let's just all settle in the house of God. I trust that as we come to pray that you do pray, that each child of God now takes these moments to seek God's face in prayer. Little prayer, little blessing, much prayer, much blessing. And we need God to move. So let's earnestly seek God's face in prayer. Let's all pray. Our gracious, loving and eternal Father in heaven, we do humbly and reverently bow in thy presence in the all prevailing name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Without the Savior, we wouldn't have any need for this service tonight without there being the coming of the Son of God into this world. There would be little point in having the doors of this church open, let alone having the building erected. And we thank thee for the coming of the Saviour. We thank thee for the divine plan and purpose of God to redeem lost, fallen, sinful men. And we thank thee that thou didst send thine only begotten Son into this world, to go all the way to Calvary, to live a life of perfect obedience to thy revealed will, and at the age of 33 to go to the cross, there to hang in ignominy and shame. We thank thee that there he bore the guilt of our sin. We thank thee that there he was our substitute. And we rejoice that the Lord Jesus Christ was able to cry from the cross, finished. The work was complete. And we thank Thee that the indication and the endorsement of the completed work that Christ accomplished is seen in the empty tomb. For up from the grave He arose a mighty triumph o'er His foes. And our loving Father, this evening we come in the evening of thy day in thy house, to give thee thanks and praise. We thank the Lord, for all who've come. But, O oh, loving Father, we're very conscious that we can come and go from the house of God and our hearts never to be stirred. And, O oh, Father in heaven, the desire of our hearts this night would be that thou wouldst come and take a dealing with each one of us, that we will leave this place different to how we came. We thank thee for thy presence in the morning time. We thank thee for thy word as it was proclaimed. And we pray, our loving Father, that we will each day know what it is to be in the centre of the will of God in what we say, in what we do, and in all about us. And we pray, our loving Father, that in all our ways we will acknowledge thee, And we rejoice in the promise that thou was given. That thou wilt direct our paths. And So our loving Father again we thank thee for another gospel opportunity. O Lord how we despair sometimes when we look around us. And we see so many. And they're going on heedless and careless regarding the things of God. No time for Christ. No time for the gospel. No time for the word of God. But, O oh, our loving Father, we pray that even should there be one such in this service tonight, either here in this building or listening to this service and to date, they have had little regard for the things of God. Oh that Thou wast to rest them by Thy Spirit, and that the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and apply it effectively to their hearts. Pray, our loving Father, for Thy servant who has come to minister amongst us. Lord, we pray that Thou will take him up. Fill him with the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Make him a vessel in thy hand to be used for the honour and glory of thy name and for the extension of thy kingdom. Our loving Father, we pray that as we depart from this service tonight, we'll have the joy of knowing that there has been a new name, and new names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that there are those who will be able to say from this night onward, I'm going home to glory. Heaven is my home. For we have made our peaceful God. Nor we're not unmindful of other places. I think of the many faithful witnesses. Throughout the length and breadth. Of this little province that we love. And throughout this United Kingdom. And in the Republic of Ireland. Lord and further afield. Where thy word is proclaimed. For those who are faithful to the blood and the book. We pray our loving father. That thou will bless the preaching of the word of God. For faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So continue with us. Lord we're not unmindful of those who mourn tonight. We pray for those whose hearts are heavy. We pray our Father in heaven in the midst of their sorrow. They may continue to know thy presence. We do remember our pastor. We pray for the Reverend Park. We thank thee for him. We pray that thou wilt lay thy healing hand upon him. And our Father in heaven that soon he'll be back amongst us. Remember our students. Remember those that thou was called. Remember David tonight in Day. We pray for Greg, wherever he would be, that thou wast be with him. Remember Jonathan in Enniskillen. Remember Joshua in Bangor. Remember Dupanker. We pray, our Father in heaven, that each one will know the presence and the blessing of God. For we ask these things in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing further. To God's praise, 332, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. Standing again, while we sing, please. Let's all stand while we sing. You welcome in the Saviour's name to our evening gospel service. Um, we trust and pray that as you have joined with us here in the congregation and to those who join with us online, you know the Lord's blessing in the proclamation of His word. We particularly welcome our preacher, Mr. Jonathan Jordan, from uh, our Macrafield congregation. Jonathan is a third year Whitfield College student. So do remember the students, of course. not be long until they'll be having those dreaded exams. And uh, we do remember our students, and we trust and pray that the Lord will be with our brother, uh, and as he comes particularly to minister God's word to us tonight. Refreshments will be served uh, after the evening service. We encourage you to stay, stay and have a time of fellowship together with us. Can I also mention that we have the latest edition of The Vision? the official magazine of our denomination. You'll find them in the hallway, and do take one or two, because we have noticed that sometimes there's a number that is left, and don't allow good material. You know, I think we do live in an age when uh, some don't read as much as they maybe should, uh, but this is something you should read. This is something you can read. It's not overly... Lengthy, but it will be of blessing and benefit, and it will keep you informed. So, do pick up the vision as you leave this evening. The Hebron Talks is tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. through to 12. Do remember that ministry amongst the boys and girls in the morning. Tomorrow evening, Sunday School Teachers' Prayer Meeting at 8 p.m., and we do. Pray that the Lord will bless our Sunday school teachers. You may not be a Sunday school teacher and not able to come to this prayer meeting, but you could take a moment at home and pray for the Sunday school teachers. They do a vitally important work in this congregation, and we need to continue to uplift them and uphold them at the throne of grace. Continue to remember our superintendent and all that are involved in the Sunday school work. Tuesday evening. Uh, the senior or Tuesday the senior fellowship is postponed. Tuesday there will be the Youth Challenge at 7pm. And again, do remember this work amongst the boys and girls as we seek to reach a new generation for the saviour. Wednesday evening will be our church committee meeting and that's uh, notice for our members of session and committee meeting at 8pm on Wednesday evening. Thursday evening we'll meet together for our midweek service and for a time of prayer, and we would encourage you to come to the place of prayer and pray that God will continue to bless the preaching of His Word in all its aspects in this house. Friday evening is our youth fellowship at eight pm, and there will be the speaker will be our brother David Macaulay, and I trust that you will remember David; he's one of our students, and trust and pray that as he comes to minister to our young people that the Lord will bless him. Saturday morning is the open air in the centre of our town and as our brother Phil said this morning we've been encouraged by those who continue to come. It used to be our brother Albert used to say that those three went to the open air. There was him and Sadie and the Holy Spirit. Well, we're glad now that there are more. The Holy Ghost is there too uh, and we thank our brother John for coordinating the open airs and for those who come and it is an encouragement because it can be a very lonely place when you stand in the open air and especially in these days uh, we pray that the Lord will continue to bless this public testimony and witness of our congregation here Saturday the Romanian VBS team will have a meeting at 7pm so those involved in that know about that and just a reminder that that will be at 7pm on Saturday evening. Do you remember the cake sale that is planned for next Saturday uh, in our complex. It won't be in the school, but it will be held in the Carson complex in the church hall. And that will take place from 10am to 2pm. So if you want to come and to enjoy... Some of the goodies that will be not only on display, but you can partake of them, Well, come encourage our school, and we trust the Lord will bless this effort again. Next Lord's Day, the early morning prayer meeting at 8 a.m., the Sunday school at 10.30, the Bible class where the Brother Phil will continue his series on the Christian armour, the helmet of salvation. The morning service, Lord willing, the Reverend Park will be again amongst us to minister God's word and also the evening gospel service at 7pm preceded by the time of prayer and uh, of course there will be refreshments that will be served. Just a preliminary announcement in relation to our Sunday school uh, social and that will be held on Friday the 31st of March at 7.30 so do remember the social and in connection with that can I just say to Bible class members if you could meet after the evening service and if you could go uh, to the church hall. Now uh, I know that those who set up uh, for the mums and tots so after the mums and tots have set up and they've put out all the bits and pieces that are for that tomorrow if we could have the Bible class because Phil and I uh, want to have a practice with you. Now we're not uh, we're not going to maybe sing with you. Well, we might. You never know why. This might be the start of a new singing ministry. Our brother Phil and I might. You never know. Uh, and uh, But we need the, Sunday, the, the Bible class members uh, to just meet and have uh, a time together. We trust the Lord will, will guide us in all of that. Do you remember our next Family Night service on Sunday, the 2nd of April, where brother Derek Preston will be alone to give his testimony of the grace of God in his life and how the Lord has protected him and preserved him. Also, can I just make a preliminary announcement in regards to what will be happening uh, over Easter? Uh, As you were aware, there was a a choir practice this evening, and our choir has been practicing over the last number of weeks. And a number of years ago, uh, it seems so long ago now, we had the cantata, uh, and there's going to be another cantata maybe not just as long uh, but another cantata and they've been practicing hard for that it is intended that the Thursday night before Easter uh, they will uh, do the cantata uh, probably here in the church and then on Easter Sunday morning uh, the choir will present that presentation of the gospel and the resurrection the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ so we do thank Uh, all those involved in regards to uh, this, and we trust you'll pray for it. If you remember when we had it the last time uh, the church was filled, we can encourage people to come and trust and pray that the Lord will bless this effort in the gospel. We do thank you for your tithes and offering, and we're going to have our offering hymn when those tithes and offerings are lifted. And, of course, today is building fund and our offering hymn is the hymn one hundred and five, and evil long I took delight on all my shame or fear, till a new object met my sight and stopped my wild career. We'll remain seated for the opening verses of the hymn play.
1: our brother for leading the service thus far. Appreciate that. I've only half the job to do tonight, which always helps. Takes a bit of pressure off. It's good to be here with you tonight in Balaamone and to fellowship with you. My first time here. I trust and pray the Lord will bless us as we spend some time in his presence and as we meet around his word. As our brother has mentioned, I'm a third year student in the Whitfield College and the exams aren't too far away at all. It's around the end of May time they start. And the first one is that dreaded Hebrew exam for us third year. So do pray for us. We need the prayers of God's people to get through that. And then for the rest of the students, the exams start about two weeks after that, around the first week of June. So they're fast approaching. Do pray that the Lord will be with us and help us in all that we do. But if you have a copy of God's Word tonight, can you turn with me, please, to the book of Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, and we just want to begin reading at the opening verse. Hebrews 2, and begin reading at the opening verse. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to His own will. For unto the angels hath He not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man, that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man, that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crowned him with glory and honor, and did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth, and they who are sanctified are all of one." For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that have the power of death, that is the devil." and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Amen. We know the Lord will bless the public reading of His own precious Word. Let's just bow in a brief moment's prayer, and let's seek the face of God together. Our dear Lord and our Father in heaven, we bow before Thee, and we thank Thee, Lord, for Thy precious Word that is opened before us. We thank Thee, O God, for the Written words of the living God, and they're in our own mother tongue. And we pray, dear Lord, that Thou was breathed upon the sacred page tonight. Grant help, we pray, to preacher and to hear alike. Speak with that voice that wakes the dead and make Thy people hear. We pray, O oh God, if there's any backslidden in our meeting tonight or listening in online, that Lord their hearts should be warmed afresh. They'd be brought back to their first love. Lord, Thou wast restore them to the joy of Thy salvation. And Lord, we pray for Thy people tonight that. Lord, we'd be edified, we'd be blessed as we focus on Christ, as we spend time thinking about our Savior and our Redeemer. But Lord, we pray especially for those that are out of Christ without a Savior, with no hope nor refuge now. And Lord, we pray tonight that as the gospel goes forth, as Thy Word is preached, that Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would move amongst their hearts, convicting them of their sins, showing them their need of Christ, that Lord, nothing else will do it's Jesus and Jesus only. Lord, we pray tonight, Lord, as the words of verse 9 that we read, but we see Jesus. We pray tonight, Lord, they would see Jesus as their own and their personal Savior. Lord, grant me that clarity of mind and that plainness of speaking. And dear Lord, I pray, speak through me and use me, and let Christ alone be lifted up and Christ alone be seen in the Savior's precious name. Amen and amen. Napoleon Bonaparte may be a name that's well-known or perhaps not so well-known to you all. He was a man who at the age of just 34 became emperor of France and conquered most of Europe in the 19th century, roughly from the period of the late 1700s into the early 1800s. The people of France and those different countries, they treated him like a, basically like a war hero, like this great man that has been used mightily to bring this country to the place that it was in. He was a great figure that they all flocked behind. Certainly, Napoleon's actions brought France much glory for a little while. However, it all turned sour eventually and really quite quickly as far as the run of things was concerned. A run of poor decisions from him The adverse environmental conditions upon his army, the weak state of his army because of it, the incompetence of his officers, he brought men through the ranks too quickly, and indeed the superior tactics of his enemies all led to Napoleon's demise. He was stripped of all his powers and exiled to a little island in the Atlantic called St. Helena, where he died about ten years later. The French people, the people of France's problem was in that time that they looked at Napoleon and they expected a mortal man to always be right, to always do the right thing, and to always bring this glory upon them. They never thought of tomorrow. When a man begins to get older, perhaps he would pass away or his decisions would not be what they were. Napoleon's problem was that he had so much confidence in himself, even when he was in the wrong. He didn't realize it. And both parties, both the French people and the leader of France, Napoleon, They looked in the wrong place and they looked to the wrong object for their support. As Christians too, we can lose focus. Our focus can end up being on the world and what's going on. It can be on our problems and on our cares. Now, it's not wrong to look at the world and to see what's happening or indeed to look at our cares and we notice them, of course, they trouble us. But the problem is if we focus too much on these things, it causes us to forget to focus on what is best for us. We can focus on the state of the church and the lack of souls getting saved. And is it's good to be earnest about this, it's not good to let us rob us of our joy and our peace. The Christians should always be looking to Jesus Christ. He is to be the supreme and total focus of our hearts. It is looking on to Jesus. That is the best for us, as the apostle in Hebrews said. It is looking on to Him because when we look to Him, we will not lose out with God. We get so often bogged down in different problems. We sorrow, we worry, we fret, we doubt, we fear, and we all can trace it back to this simple fact that we neglect to look to Jesus Christ. He should be our shining light, our glowing sun in the darkest of our nights. The apostle here in Hebrews chapter 2 and the verse 9 that we read together, the first four words are very important. It says there, but we see Jesus. That was the apostle's focus. That's what he wanted the people to focus on that he was writing to. And tonight, that's the focus of our message. And if you're saved tonight, I pray that tonight we would focus, refocus afresh upon Jesus Christ. If your heart is cold, that you'd focus afresh on Him and He would warm your heart. And if you're not saved, that you would focus on Him for the first time and God would draw you onto Himself. And so tonight, can we consider together just for a few moments, beholding the Redeemer. We want to behold the Redeemer tonight. The first point I want us to note is this. It is His humble position. It is His humble position that is noted here by the apostle. Look at verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 2 there, and we'll read it together again. It says, "'But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, made a little lower than the angels.'" And this phrase here found in verse 9, it is quoted in verse 7 of the same chapter of Hebrews 2 that we read together. It reads there, "'Thou made us Him a little lower than the angels.'" but it's also a direct quotation from Psalm number 8. And if you turn with me to Psalm 8, we'll read that together. Turn with me there to Psalm number 8, please. Oftentimes in the New Testament, there's references to the Old, and it's for good reason. It is to bring out that Christ was being spoken of in the Old Testament and bringing more clarity in the New. But Psalm Psalm 8, I want to read a couple of verses there together. In the 8th Psalm, the Theme, the common theme of that psalm, is from David, and the common theme is really praising God for His creation. And David, he's the author of the psalm, and he's really dwelling on what God has done in the world. And he testifies of how excellent God is. Look at verse one and verse nine. They're similar, really the same words. "O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth." Verse nine, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth." And David here really is saying, "How great is our God that He has made all these things." And he goes down to list them, you can read them to read them when you have time, yourself and your daily devotions, but verse one who set thy glory above the heavens, and then verse three, it talks about the heavens and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. But in the middle of this psalm, David refers to man, and he asks the searching question in verse four, which is the same verse that we've seen. passages that we read in Hebrews two. it says here in verse four, "What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the Son of man that thou visitest?" him. David asks a very searching question. Why does God visit man? Why is God mindful? Why is God interested in man? Why does David ask this question? Well, it's because man is simply dust. Man is nothing more than clay and dust. And yet the mighty God who created all things and made man out of the dust of that earth actually cares about him. David is speaking of God's goodness to man. Look at verse 5 of Psalm 8, it says there, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. A little lower than the angels. Man was made perfect and was allowed to dwell in the Garden of Eden. He was blessed there, but he was not so, much, not so blessed as the angels in glory were, for earth has never been heaven but he was blessed. He was made that little lower than the angels, and he was allowed to spend time in the presence of God before he fell. He was allowed to spend time in that wonderful Garden of Eden to have everything prepared for him, to have every provision given to him. God was good to man. Man was blessed. Then in Hebrews 2, if you turn back there, that same phrase that we read, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. It's used here, but it's not speaking of man. It's speaking of Christ. The apostle takes the words from Psalm 8, which were being used of man, and he refers them to Christ. And here we see Christ's humble position. The humble position of the Redeemer comes to the forefront. The apostle, before these verses in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, he's trying to bring out the superiority of Christ, the excellency of Jesus Christ. He's trying to show his readers that Christ is preeminent. And then after discussing man in verses 68 of Hebrews 2, and it reads there, or you can read at the end of verse 8, it says there, but now we see not yet all things put under him. In other words, man is not yet, all things are not under man. But then, he says, but we see Jesus. And the point is, is that the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, who the apostle has spent over a chapter speaking about his excellence and his glory and all the wonderful things about him. And he says there, he was made a little lower than the angels. And the apostle in a nutshell here is really saying that Christ, the creator and the sustainer of all things, king of all, yet he took human form. That's the picture here the apostle's trying to say. That's the humble position of the redeemer that we note together. Though man was given a blessed position and being made just a little lower than the angels, yet Christ as the son of God took a humble position being made a little lower than the angels in his humanity. A little lower can be rendered in the Hebrew for a little while. Christ for a little while was lower than the angels, in the sense of taking that human nature. Christ never ceased to be God, but for a little while he lived as a man. He experienced hunger and thirst and even tiredness. The Gospels they speak of Christ being asleep upon a pillow in Mark 4, verse 38. The apostle here in Hebrews speaks of Christ in Hebrews 1, verses 3 to 5. If you turn now, we'll read it together. Hebrews 1, verses 3 to 5, just over a page in your Bible. And it says there, speaking of Christ, who being the brightness of his glory, that's the glory of the Father, and the expressed image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down in the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my Son? This day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. What the apostle is saying there is that who has the father ever said to, thou art my son, except Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God completely and utterly the Son of God, but in Hebrews 2, the apostle is showing that he also became man, and he took that humble position for his people. And believer, tonight we should be joyful and we should be in amazement as we behold our Redeemer for the humble position that He took. And He took it for one and only one reason. You look back at verse 9 of Hebrews 2, it says there, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, and here's the reason, for the suffering of death, for the suffering of death. That's the reason Christ took a humble position, namely that He might die. The words there later on in verse nine, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, refer to the fact that Christ's humanity was sinless. It was perfect. There was no sin within it. There could never be, and there would never be. We can think of the Father's words in Matthew three seventeen: "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." And the Lord Jesus Christ, in love and mercy to our souls, believer, He took this humble position, a human nature, for a little while lower than the angels. Why? For the suffering of death in order to die for your sins and for mine. And what a wonderful Redeemer we have. What a wonderful Savior we have. And Christian, I say this to you, no matter how unloved we feel, no matter how much we feel that no one cares for our soul, we read that in the Scriptures, no matter how alone we feel, no matter how many times we feel that we're all alone in this world and in our problems, there is one man, the God-man, who cared enough for your soul and mine that He left heaven's glory for the suffering of death, for one and only reason. What love He has bestowed upon us. May we never forget His humble position for our souls. Behold our Redeemer in His humble position. But then secondly here, there is His healing provision. His healing provision that we note here. Look at the end of verse 9 from Hebrews 2. It's the last phrase there. It says, that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man the words there for every man. I want to stress does not mean universal salvation. There are many people in today's society, they say that all roads lead to Christ, all roads lead to heaven, every man will be saved eventually. That's not what the apostles saying here. It's not saying all men will be saved. The only way a man or woman can be saved is by the blood of Christ. The words every man in the original language are one word, and it's the word everyone. Now, people would say, well, that means universally all men will be saved. But taken in context with what the apostle is talking about and the background of what he's saying here, he's teaching everyone in the sense of every one of his people, every man and woman child that was his before this book was written, that was his at the time this book was written, and that would be his after this book was written. It's not speaking of all men. It's speaking of those who would put their faith and trust in Christ, and that He, by the grace of God, would taste death for them, for you and for I, if you're saved tonight. That's what it's speaking of. Verse 10, it goes on to say, says there in verse 10, For it became Him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory. The words there, for it became Him, really means it was fitting. There was a reason for it. There was a reason that Christ would make this provision that we're going to see Verse 10 explains that by Him and for Him are all things. In other words, the all-powerful Christ. There's the heavenly that I'm talking about, the heavenly healing position of Christ. And then it was the fitting reason that He would die to bring many sons to glory, to bring many poor, sin-sick souls into the kingdom of God, to save a fallen people from every tongue and kindred and nation. And to do this, He had to make a provision by being the captain or that word captain can be rendered author of their salvation. Christ's provision was that it at all rested on him. When an author writes a book, he writes every single word. Otherwise, he's not the author. He's only author of part of the book. And from beginning to end, Christ is the author of our salvation. Christ is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. We read that in Revelation 13, verse 8. And that verse refers to the fact that Christ was the promised Lamb before the world ever began. Before man fell, Christ was the coming Lamb. The fall did not take God by surprise. Many people think that the fall completely changed God's plans and then he had to find a way to get man saved, to bring man to Christ. No, the fall did not take God by surprise. Before the foundation of the world, Christ was chosen to be the Redeemer. Titus 1 verse 2 speaks of eternal life promised before the world began by the Father who cannot lie. And that eternal life is the provision that's found only in Christ. Before man was even created, or even created in the garden, before Adam and Eve took of that fruit, before Christ was even promised in Genesis 3.15, which as we know is the first gospel promise, Christ was promised. And then He did. He came, and He shed His blood, and He rose from the dead, and He's coming back again. But note, it reads, to make the author of their salvation, it reads there in verse 10, to make the captain or the author of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Perfect through sufferings. You might ask me the question, does that mean that Christ was not perfect? Does that mean that Christ needed to do something in order to be perfect, to be what God wanted him to be? He needed to carry out something to be perfect enough to be the promised lamb. I know the word perfect does not mean that there it refers to being finished, and it is so used in John 17:4, where Christ says, I have finished the work, and that's the work that He was to accomplish on earth, the work that He was appointed to. And that word there, it's used of perfect. It can also be used of the word chosen or appointed to a particular role. And the apostle really is saying here that God the Father appointed Christ to be the Savior, and Christ needed to suffer to provide salvation for His people. For Christ to be a complete Savior, he needed to suffer. That's the reasoning of the apostle here. It was not enough for Christ. We've seen that he took a human nature. It was not enough for him to do that. It was not enough for him even to live a sinless life. That alone would have been insufficient. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. I'll explain this to you. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, and it's the verse 15. Hebrews 9 and the first 15, it reads there, read down to the verse 18, just this little section. And for this cause of speaking of Christ, he, that is Christ, is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, that's the breaking of the law by Adam and his descendants, they which are called, those who are chosen, the, the people of God, might receive the promise of eternal inheritance, salvation. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all where the testator liveth, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. And the point in these verses is this, is that Christ, without Christ dying, without Him actually shedding His blood, the New Testament would never have come into effect. If you think of someone, whenever they make a will and then That person gives that to their family or stays with a solicitor, whatever it is. That will does not take effect until that person actually passes away. Those who are involved or contained in that will, they receive nothing from it until that person actually dies. And the point of the apostle in Hebrews 9 is to say that if Christ had not died, there would be no New Testament. There could not be. There had to be the death of the testator. Christ spoke of the New Testament in His blood. He spoke of that when He was in the Last Supper with His disciples, and that refers to salvation by grace alone through faith in the finished work of Christ. The Old Testament believers, they were saved by looking forward to what Christ would do, that He would come and shed His blood. And we are looking back to what Christ has done, trusting in Him, and then looking forward to Him coming again. But without His death, there could be no shedding of His blood, and therefore there could be no remission or forgiveness or removal of sins. For Christ to be a complete Savior, to be that author, that captain of our salvation, he needed to, yes, fulfill the law which Adam and his descendants could not fulfill, and that involved suffering, not only in his death. He had to live in this world. He suffered by being in this sinful world. He suffered by being tempted of the devil. He suffered by being mocked by his own people who he came to save. The Messiah was promised to the Jewish people, and yet they mocked him. Even his own earthly brethren did not like him did not agree with his gospel. The gospel tells us that. Then at the hands of the Jewish leaders and before Pilate, he was scourged, and he was beaten, and he was bruised, and he was mocked. And then he went to the cross. And at the cross, we know he suffered the wrath due for our sin. And believer, we so often said, and it's so often said in a gospel meeting, and we get so used to it, we lose the significance. It just rolls off the tongue. But Christ actually and completely stood and bled and died in your stead and mine. And you think about that tonight. God the Father looked on Christ at that cross, and He saw your sin and my sin. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's the provision He made, suffering in life and in death, that He would be that perfect Savior. We need it one to be the go between God and man, and only Christ could. And then He suffered to fulfill that and bring to pass a perfect Salvation. What a healing provision Christ has brought to pass. Only God could devise such a plan. No man could think of this. No, It could not be constructed by any man. No man could bring it to pass. He came to heal poor sin-sick, sin-dead, sorrowing souls, souls longing for respite from sin. He came to see, heal and seek and to save. Unbeliever tonight, addressing you, I ask you the question that's You can find it in Lamentations 1, verse 12, where it says there, Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Does this healing provision that Christ has made, does it mean nothing to you? Does Christ shed blood hold no beauty or peace for you? Does the perfect Savior of man, we're saying, Behold the Redeemer, does looking at Him mean nothing to you? Is He not glorious in your sight? If I could open your eyes by the grace of God and show you His beauty, I would. But only God can do so. Pray tonight that you will trust in Him. Believer, behold your Redeemer and His healing provision that He made for our souls. And then lastly, tonight we see the heavenly proclamation. His heavenly proclamation it's found in verses 11 and 12. And they provide some glorious thoughts for the believer. Verse 11 reads this way, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Verse 11 there speaks of, sanctification, sanctifieth, sanctified, speaks of sanctification. And what is being referred to here is Christ by the work of holy, the Holy Spirit in saving those of us who are saved. He's made us holy by doing that. He is the sanctifier mentioned here, and we are the sanctified if you're saved tonight. When, by the work of the Holy Spirit, we were convicted of our sins and brought to Christ, we had our sins washed away, and His righteousness, it became ours. Therefore, He has sanctified us He has made us holy before God. And when God the Father looks on us, He sees Christ's righteousness, and we are declared holy through what Christ has done. Not only is He the sanctifier and we the sanctified, but we are told that we are one with Him or we're in union with Him. And Christian, what a glorious thing this is. We are grafted into Christ. We're united to Him. We're members of His body. How glorious that is for you and I. We're not our own anymore. We're bought with a price. What a redeemer we have, believers, that Christ calls us, what we sinned against him, we hated him before we were saved, we mocked him, we jeered at him, we laughed at him, yet now in salvation he calls us brethren. That's what it says there at the end of verse 11. For which cause he, that's Christ, is not ashamed to call them, that's you and I, brethren, brethren, we're the sheep of his pasture, we're his people. Because of this, he proclaims something in the midst of us. Look at verse 12. This is the proclamation. Saying, I will declare, declare, proclaim thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. The I there is Christ. The brethren is you and I. It's a heavenly proclamation because it comes from Christ the heavenly King. The proclamation is that Christ will declare thy name. The name of God the Father unto his brethren which is us. What this is really saying is that Christ will teach us and make known the Father to us. To illustrate this, we can think of what was said by Philip in John 14, verses 8 to 11. I'll just read it for sake of time. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father. He's speaking to Christ. He said, Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. We'll be content. We'll be happy. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. Philip said, show us the Father. Christ said, you see me, you see the Father. And that's the same picture here from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. I will declare thy name. In other words, Christ makes this glorious proclamation that he will declare the name of the Father to us. He will teach us and open our eyes and our hearts to the things of God and the glory and the majesty of the Lord. Man knows so little Judas sin. Christ says, I declare, I will teach my brethren about the Father. It's a picture of being conformed more and more to the image of God. It's a picture of growth and grace and indeed sanctification. It's a picture of being less and less like the world and more like Jesus Christ. Christ is one with the Father and the Spirit. And Christ, through his word and the Spirit, will lead us and guide us and mold us and shape us into what he wants to be. What a wonderful, wonderful proclamation. The words at the end there of Verse number 12, it simply reads this, in the midst of the church while I sing praise unto thee. That simply refers to what Christ did at the Last Supper. When He was sitting with the disciples, they had had the Last Supper and then they sang in Him. That's what the Bible says. And the picture of us believers is that He has given us an example to follow and so are we to do. And that is to praise our God for Christ, for the death death that he, He died on the cross, for His provision, for His people, for His love. And that we are to praise the Lord for that. And that when we praise the Lord, Christ is in the midst of his people with us. Believer, it reminds us of what's to come in eternity, singing his praises through endless days. What a wonderful proclamation for us tonight, believer. Behold our Redeemer. He calls us brethren, and he's not ashamed to do so, even though we are sinners, wretched in his sight. We are sinners that are lost and undone before he saved us. And yet, he is washed in his blood, and now he calls us his brethren. What a wonderful Savior we have. Dear unbeliever, tonight as we close, what will you do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? You say to me, I hear about his blood, I hear what he did on the cross. What does that mean to me? How can I be saved? Simply this Come on to the Lord, repent of your sin, turn away from all that you have committed, and say, Lord, forgive me, wash me in thy blood, Lord Jesus, save me. Trust in him, throw your all upon him, and he will save you now and for all of God's great eternity. Christian, backslider, unbeliever, but we see Jesus. Let us behold the only Redeemer of sinful and wicked man. Amen. Let's just close our meeting with our final hymn. It is the hymn 313. 313. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. We'll only sing the first verse in the chorus, and we'll stand to sing when we get the notes of music. your soul tonight, call upon the name of the Lord. The Lord will gloriously and wonderfully save you. You just have to rest in Him by faith alone in what He did at Calvary's cross. Our God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee, Lord, for the author of our salvation. We thank Thee, Lord, how He was made perfect through the sufferings of, the, of death and of life, and, Lord, how He made that provision for sinful man that we could be saved, washed in His blood, and made ready and fit for heaven and home. Father, we pray tonight, if there's any not saved, that, Lord, the still, small voice of God would speak on. And, Lord, those disturb their sleep of death and draw them unto thee. Bless thy people, we pray. Lord, lead us on after Christ. Be all to us that we need in all that we do. And, Lord, we pray every day of our lives, every moment of our lives, let it be, Lord, we see Jesus. For we ask these things in the Saviour's precious name. Amen.